You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to Orange County's longest running business talk show. And I'm your host, Rick Franzi. And boy, do we have a good show planned for you today. Why do you ask? Because we have a serial entrepreneur that's going to talk to us. Who is that? That's Chris for Lions. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. So let's go back in time and talk about kind of the circumstances, the original inspiration slash motivation that you had to become an entrepreneur. Yeah, sure. It, uh, without going too, too far back, um, it, it all started when I migrated here. Um, I was actually born and raised um, overseas in Nigeria and um, never been in front of a computer to program or anything and got on this thing called Yahoo back then. I dating myself, that's for sure. But uh, got on Yahoo, um, started searching, and it was just a phenomenal. Getting online was an experience I'd never, ever had. So um, got into it, started teaching myself how to program, taught myself many languages, and uh, from there, my professor at San Jose State University got a hold of a few people. And um, yeah, I started working in mer mergers and acquisitions, or M&A, at a, at a pretty big size company in the Silicon Valley. Um, did that for about a year and a bit. Um, traveled around the country, did reverse engineering research for them to define, you know, if a certain technology they were about to buy was worth the amount they were going to, to pay. Um, so did that for a while and then was pulled into a company um, that was trying to figure out a way to prevent people from ripping um, MP3s or ripping audio from CDs back then. Sure. Everybody had CDs and were uh, or were downloading music online, which was illegal. Um, but, you know, there were platforms like Napster and LimeWire and, and all of those. And, and uh, yeah, I was part of a team um, to tr try to figure out how to prevent that from happening. So created some encryption methodologies and all that. Exited that company, um, did, really, did really well with that. And uh, that's when I started uh, OCFX. And the premise of OCFX was to develop a platform or a business platform that allowed businesses to come in and under one roof, uh, we would help them with everything from UI, UX, product development, marketing, you know, research, everything they wanted um, to develop. So you come in with an idea, you walk out and we invite you again and we show you the product. So we convert your imagination into something real all under one roof. So you didn't have to go source a developer here, source a designer here. Hmm. We did everything all under one roof. And um, yeah, it started in the Bay Area um, a long time ago and we're still going strong. So 1999, is that, yep. do I have that right? Okay, so that that is in internet years, that's a long time ago. And some of the terms that you were using, UI, UX, I'm not even sure if they were in the lexicon back then. They weren't, they weren't. <laughs> and certainly the tools to achieve that weren't as sophisticated as they are today. That's but tell true. me, 
How long after you started the firm did you look around and say, hey, I got something here that's going to uh, survive and uh, obviously thrive in the marketplace? Yeah, it's it it took it took a bit you know we made mistakes um we had pivots like every company does um so we thought something would work here but it didn't and then we pivoted a little bit um but you know the i guess we knew it was going to work when we looked at the market and tried to fill the cavity in the market um which is what every serial entrepreneur and every entrepreneur really tries to do is we try and figure out what is that market niche that I want to focus on and what cavity can I fill in that market niche that nobody else is filling, which gives me my USP or my unique selling proposition, right? So our unique selling proposition was that whole everything all under one roof. You don't have to go here, there and everywhere. Um, it's, it started off where we just did a couple things here and then we were sourcing um, developers and sourcing designers and all of that but you know we decided to put everything all under one roof so it's it took a little bit um some errors because we knew that hiring some people from another firm or another company they would do stuff one way or they won't be available at a certain time that we were so you know you take all of that time trying to balance a juggling balancing act at the same time it was pretty tough so we made mistakes in that respect. And then we saw ourselves really climbing that progressive ladder once more projects started coming in and once the customers and clients that we were getting in started telling other people. Um, that's That was the key is, you know, our customers telling other customers about us and we were growing their word of mouth. Um, that's when we knew we, we, you know, we're basically going to make a home run with the business model. And I can see how that would accelerate the business development aspect. I would have to imagine, and you tell me if this is true, that inside the business, you've got more efficient because as you did more projects, you sort of got muscle memory on how to do it because you had a disparate group of talent that you needed to corral. <laughs> to get everything under one roof, didn't you? Yeah, we, we put processes in place um, in order to to improve efficiencies. Mm -hmm. So it was the, those processes allowed us to do things efficiently, um, cost efficiently, um, speed um, efficiency also. So time efficiency, cost efficiency um, were definitely key aspects of that. And even with the whole industry and the business model, you want to make sure you're you know, you're cost efficient so you can be competitive, but you also are sticking to timelines because many of our customers had deadlines, had timelines that they had to meet. And the fact that we could meet them was very important to to them. So it's, it, uh, yeah, so we did pretty well with that, but it took time. It took so time. 2024 will be 25 years. Yes. That's a major milestone, Chris. Yes, yes. We're very excited, very excited. So I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit more in your history just because I'm curious. How, how did you choose San Jose State when you weren't even in the state of California, let alone the U.S.? You were in Nigeria. Uh, it was based on the uh, scholarship they were willing to offer. Fair enough. <laughs> so okay. It was it was scholarship. Uh, yeah, it was, that was that was it. That's so, the, so they kind of found you. You found them, and they found you. Sort right. of, they saw value in you, and you saw value in there in That's them. Right. 
So uh, had you been to the U.S. before? Yes, yes. Okay. Many, many times. So you were you understood Northern California then? You sort of knew what you were getting into? Uh, I, I, a little bit, but not that much. <laughs> I think TV, TV definitely, movies definitely helped. Sure. Um, but yes, I have been to the States um, many times. But, you know, as a teenager, you come here and you go to college um, from a third world country um, or an emerging market country you know, it's different. It's, it's different. It's, it's not easy. But no, and you're not, uh, no disrespect to Iowa, but you're not going to, uh, you know, a rural uh, campus. You're going to a, a campus in the city next to a major metropolitan area of San Francisco. So that, That's that true. had to be a, Oh, what we do when we're young, huh? Chris? Yeah. It was interesting. Interesting. The things, the things we will do. Yeah. All right. So we've got you to the point now where I'm curious about what you're doing today. You're an author, you're a speaker, you're a thought leader. So it feels like to me, you're grabbing all of your cumulative serial entrepreneurs experience and you're you're maybe in that give back chapter of your career. Is that a fair thing to say? It is fair, it is okay. fair. Um, yeah, I've... so with OCFX as we built businesses. Um, we built businesses of our own. So customers came in, made requests. We built those businesses out. And we also were able to figure out, as I mentioned, those cavities. So we were able to fill out those cavities. Um, so we did really well spinning off some companies and building companies and then spinning them off and selling them to major companies. Um, so did that for a while and got quite a bit of experience in how to build massive companies. The last one I built was a, a large e-commerce platform that was in over 87 countries. Hmm. Um, so it did, did very well with that. Um, and yeah, just building, building an e-commerce platform to support the emerging markets, uh, markets where people are what's quote unquote unbanked, which means they don't have credit cards and then enabling them to shop online like you and I shop in the States uh, was a humongous Herculean task that we, <laughs> we had to figure out and we did. Um, but I've taken all those experiences from building all these companies um, and not all of them were fantastic. Um, I've, I've definitely, I definitely have my scars for the ones that did not do well or the ideas that did not do well and have decided to try and give back. So I've written a book, which is this book right here, um, which is From Pitch to Close. Um, it's a book that literally helps um, entrepreneurs. It tells them what they need to do to start a company and get it ready for investors. Because many people think, hey, I have this amazing, brilliant idea. I can go get an investor and get it funded. Absolutely not. <laughs> it is not that easy. Mostly if you want to get a good valuation, it's not that easy. So the book talks about how you can start as a founder, how you can start thinking about building a company, building the structures, um, the business processes, the legal processes in place in order to get the best valuation for your business and for your idea. So wrote that book and also developed um, a game. And that's what this one is. That's ready, said CEO. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh Did you think of that title? I, I got to. That's awesome. I, 
it's yeah it's um and this one is just it's a card game um so there are a bunch of cards in it and each of the cards asks a, a very important question to entrepreneur asks a very important question to entrepreneurs because um as you know and your your audience knows it's you know there are many questions that you need to think about answering um that you don't think about till it happens so i reached out to CEOs all over the world and billionaires that I know and said, hey, what are some of the questions you wish people had asked you or you wish you were asked to help you become an amazing CEO? Um, so that's what all these cards are about. So they're just questions for you to discuss by yourself, with your friends, with your family and, um, and see how good a CEO you are. I'll give you an example of one that I really like. You read my mind. Yeah, uh, it's this is very very interesting, and I have a feeling your audience will answer it differently. If your company wasn't doing well, would you rather reduce your pay or let go of one of your employees? Mm -hmm. It's a question that every CEO should be ready and prepared to ask because no company is just upward, you know, has that J curve ever you're going to have to face some downtime. And when you face that downtime and you have to, you know, reduce salary, reduce staff, are you going to reduce your salary first before you reduce staff? Or are you going to say, no, I'm just going to let go of Johnny um, and I'll keep my pay where it is. I'm not going to judge. It's just one of the many questions that are, you know, in this game and uh, many of the good questions in this game. And, and I think, I think many CEOs and entrepreneurs need to ask themselves many questions because they'll be facing tough questions as they grow their companies. That's so interesting. I uh, like to watch the Shark Tank on occasion, yep. and I find myself, while I enjoy it, I'm actually nervous for the entrepreneur. And sometimes the questions that they're asked, you would think they would have had a better answer for than yep. what they end up saying. Yeah. you know and you can feel the energy change you know there's a lot of momentum and then you get the question and you get the wrong answer and you just can almost feel the chemistry just yeah and now you're in a very different position as the entrepreneur pitching to these investors you've gone from being ahead of the momentum to trying to catch it again and that's right that's many right. times you never do so those are we're talking about where people can get both your book and your game here in a little bit i'm wondering Seeing as many business models and seeing serial entrepreneurs, have you identified kind of key traits, secrets to success, qualities that these people possess? Anything that you can share with us, Chris, from that perspective? Absolutely. Um, as as an entrepreneur and an investor myself, so I've I've sat, I've raised millions of dollars for some of my startups and my companies, and I do invest in companies. Also, I can tell you um there are four four letters so i've the acronym is pink p-i-n-k um p is for passion you have to have passion in building a business and in the business that you're building so i think every entrepreneur needs to be very passionate about whatever it is they're going to be working on um then i is innovation it needs to be innovative if you are redesigning the wheel and it still looks like a circle, um, <laughs> no need. <laughs> this business is going to flop from day one. So it has to be innovative. So call it your unique selling proposition, 
whatever you want to call it is fine, but there has to be some innovative aspect of that business. And you have to push that innovative aspect of that business really well and get it all locked in so you can sell the business idea to others mm -hmm. so they understand why your business is the right business and they don't start comparing you to others and they see that uniqueness in your business. So that's the I for innovative. And then the N is for network. It's, we've all heard the, uh, the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, it's, it's true. It really is true. Um, so you have to build a really good network in whatever niche you're going after, work on building that network to ensure that you have the tentacles and the connections to the people that you think can help uplift your business or at least provide you good advice, good mentorship, um, somebody on your board that can really guide you, guide you well. Um, and then K is for knowledge, which means you're ever learning, always researching, listening to podcasts like yours, um, just being able to acquire more knowledge in your industry to help you grow and not be behind because your competitors are definitely seeking knowledge and seeking you know, to know more or trying to learn to know more. And you need to be up front and center doing that also. So those are the four attributes that I have found to be key for entrepreneurs to do really, really well. And if they're missing any of those letters, I have found that um, they don't, they're not as successful and many of them don't make it past a few years. Very interesting. And I, I, I thank you for sharing those four letters and what they stand for. And in, in the first one, you were clear and I heard you say, it's not only passion for the business, but passion for building a business. Yes. That's different. Yes. And it's, it's very astute to be able to communicate both aspects of that passion to the entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay. So you're on a roll. Any uh, business advice in addition to your pink model <laughs> methodology? Anything else you were ever given as a newbie or you learned along the way through the School of Hard Knocks that you can share? School of Hard Knocks, yes. The battle scars are all about pivots okay. and knowing knowing when to pivot, how to pivot, and the voices to listen to when you pivot because you will get a lot of people saying, do this, do that. <laughs> you know, the news will say, hey, this is trending. This You have to, you can't listen to all those voices but you have to be very, very, very open to pivoting. I don't know anyone um, personally who has written a business plan and has followed that business plan <laughs> to the T. I have no, I don't. And if, if you do, I don't, um, you probably have missed a few opportunities because you just, you were a stickler to your business plan. Um, highly I don't recommend anybody sticking to a business. A business plans are great. Um, at least having a goal is great, but being very open to pivoting and knowing that almost a hundred percent of the time you will have to pivot in order to make grounds and be successful. So that's, that is hard knocks. Cause I have been that person who said, Nope, this is it. And, um, it didn't work in my favor. So I've learned. But, but that's such a great insight, Chris, because um, and you said it earlier, signal from noise. I mean, 
you don't want to be chasing every shiny object, but then again, you don't want to be so dogmatic in your original idea that you miss a bigger opportunity. So that it's a lot more challenging, isn't it, than it than it would appear, especially to someone who hasn't been down that through that gauntlet yet to realize. Yeah, yeah, and you have to you have to know the voices that you listen to. I'm not talking about spooky voices now. I'm talking about <laughs> the people in your circle that yes, you listen to. Advisors, yes. Yes, the advisors. Um, you really need to get, and that's part of Pink, right? With the networking, you you really need to talk to the right people and not make decisions in a silo. Um, many many founders do that. They say, "Oh my goodness, that sounds like a good idea. Let's go for it." I hear you, and I, you know, and I respect you. But talk to other people and see what they think about this idea that you have and this trajectory that you you're planning on going on, because they might be able to provide you with some advice, or they might have taken that path themselves and be able to tell you, uh, this is what you should look out for. This is not what you should look out for, and be able to really gauge your, you know, how much risk you're you're willing to take in that pivot but um i am a huge fan of pivoting to succeed you know as you were explaining that i was thinking that gets even you tell me but my experience is that's even more challenging when those voices are also investors oh you do not want to start that you're, you're sure we'll go on for another five hours <laughs> <laughs> yes um I have no investors now, so I can speak freely and I'm, I'm an investor, but you do have to be very careful um, when listening to investors because yes, it's their money and they feel many investors feel they can tell you what to do because it's their money. And mostly if they own, you know, over 50% or controlling interest in your company, then, you know, you're pretty much locked in, locked in, but prior to them owning, controlling, um, a controlling voice in your company i do i do think um, most founders and entrepreneurs should question how much that investor knows about that industry because most times the ceo and founder knows way more than the investor they're coming at it from an analytical standpoint and a book standpoint they've read everything they've read all the documents and all that stuff but most investors have never run a business and they've never run your business. Right. So before you start doing everything they say, um, think about it. Cause if the company fails, they're not going to say, Oh, we told you, you know, it was our advice that made you fail. No investor will ever tell you that. They say, well, but you did it. Your execution was flawed. Yeah. Yeah. We recommended it to you and yeah. you did what we recommended and now the company's failed, but you could have said no. You should have looked at it. Yeah. Well, yes. You, you trusted us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we gave you the money so you could do it, but uh, you don't have to listen to everything we say, but you somewhat forced me in the boardroom. Right. No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. Uh, I beg to differ. So just... So it if someone would like to learn more about you, your history, buy your book, your game, where do you say they go, Chris? Um, it's just my name, just Chris 
Folayan, so C-H-R-I-S, F as in Frank, O-L-A-Y-A-N.com. You can find out everything about me. You can get links to my books, um, The Card Game, um, which is on readysetceo.fun. Um, but you can get all that information at chrisfolayan.com. Well, I told the people at the top of the hour that they were gonna they were in for a great time and you did not disappoint. Thank you very much for giving us a bit of your time for my audience today, Chris. I truly appreciate it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'd like to say thank you to the audience. You've just been a part of Orange County's longest running business talk show. Chris's show will now join our archives of over 1,400 interviews with entrepreneurs and thought leaders. If you are here here in Orange County, and you're an entrepreneur or thought leader, and you have a story to tell, then reach out to me. I'm Rick, R-I-C, Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I, on LinkedIn. Coincidentally, that's also our company's website, rickfranzi.com. And we'll be happy to talk to you about the possibility of having you as a future guest uh, on our radio show. And until the next time we have a chance to be together, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. Thank you.